Social media is the number one thing that we hear that business owners are struggling to manage. With the ever-changing algorithm, multiple platforms, the question of to do paid ads or not to do paid ads, hashtag overwhelm, and then creating posts that actually resonate with your target audience. It's easy to wonder, is it all going to even be worth it? The answer is, or can be, yes. However, there is a reason that managing social is a career all on its own. It can be so much to manage and consider, but here's the thing. We are big on progress over perfection and simplifying the lives of our travel advisors. So this podcast is dedicated to removing the overwhelm, intimidation, and analysis paralysis on social media. We recommend listening to this episode in full because the good nuggets and easy ways to implement are going to be at the end after we set the foundation. So... Let's get started with one of our very favorite platforms. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. Planally. Okay, so if you're listening to this and you're thinking social media, you're like, okay, I I know planally I'm going to tune out. Now, please don't. This is literally just to set the stage for all of the things that are coming. But we wanted to share first why planally can help you with stopping overthinking social media. Yes, it adds automation, which obviously we love. And yes, it's a system. We love systems. But more than that, it can just help you batch your social media so that you're done with it once and for all within one single day. So let's talk through a little bit of what Planoly has to offer. One, it is a system that automates posting and it selects the time that's going to get the most eyes on your grid post. And that's something that you simply can't do on a reactionary basis. If you're on a fam and you're out and about and you are thinking, hey, I'm going to post this right now, there's not a lot of strategy behind posting it at that time. However, if you put it in Planoly and you actually select the best time of day for that day of the week, you're going to get a lot more engagement than if you were to just post this at like 6 p.m. at night when, say, your target audience is sitting down to have family dinner with you know, their kids and they're just distracted at the time. So it's going to help you actually be able to post and get more eyes on that post. In addition, they recently added being able to post carousels and reels. So it is easier than ever. I know there are multiple systems. We like Planoly. There are multiple systems that offer that. Whatever you're doing, whatever version of social media posting that you love the most, it's intuitive to you. We're talking about that system. We're just for the sake of talking through this, we're going to say Planoly, just kind of like a tissue is a Kleenex. Kleenex is a tissue kind of thing. Planoly is the system we're going to refer to. So the other thing we love is that you can add hashtags and tags within one click. So you can create a list of accounts you want to tag. You can create a list of hashtags that you want to apply to every post. It's automatically embedded in there so that you're not having to retype everything risking spelling something wrong and just like taking so long to type out these hashtags. It's just so laborious to do this. Yes, you could put it in a sticky note in your phone and copy and paste it, but then you have to like tag all of these accounts that you want to tag. To me, this is worth the upgrade alone to the paid Planoly account just to have these features. So check out that price point. Make sure it makes sense for you. But the last thing that I want to mention is that it is the perfect place to batch your content. We always talk about CEO days and sitting down and working on your business and not just in it. I would dare to say that social media is a little bit working in and on. It's kind of like straddling the line because it is your marketing and it does feel like you're kind of in the grind of your business. But if you sit down once a month and you take this, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but like you take this kind of bank of caption ideas, and you just kind of brain dump into Planoly, and then you apply the schedule, you're done for the month. All you have to do really is like 15 posts. I would argue you probably don't have to do more than 15 posts. So if you if you think, I just need 15 pictures, 15 captions a month, and I can chug this out in a couple hours, 
it takes a lot of the stress and intimidation out of social media. So those are simple things that you've probably heard a million times, so I don't want to belabor the point, but I did want to set the foundation for the next things we're going to talk about because I don't think you can talk about social media without mentioning Planoly and a system to create scheduling your social media more efficiently. Back to hashtags, because I think hashtags is really important, especially if your goal with social media right now is to grow your reach. Hashtags are one way to help you do that. And because you can create different banks inside of Planoly, that's really awesome for targeting those specific people. So part of your, you know, your niche is romance travel, and that includes honeymooners and then anniversaries. And one post is specifically geared towards honeymoon travel. You can have a whole bank of honeymoon related hashtags. And I do recommend going in and doing a little bit of research because your hashtag hashtag banks should include lower range hashtags. I think everyone's like, oh, a million hashtags I'm going to post on there. That doesn't make any sense because you're going to be flooded. Like your Mm -hmm. content is less likely to get to the top. So a good strategy is when you're pulling hashtags in for your hashtag bank, look for some that are larger because that's going to get you some exposure. And that's going to tell Instagram like, hey, this person's content kind of goes with these other people. But also you want to have like the more 2,500, you know, because you need to divide whatever amount of posts by 365 so that you know how many posts a day are using that hashtag. And we want to be up as far as we can to the top. The really, really niche down ones are going to get you a lot more visibility typically. So if you're doing honeymoon tips, honeymoon travel, those are massive (laughs) hashtags. But if you take it like a little bit lower and you're like Dallas honeymooners or Dallas brides or, you know, Miami brides or something like that, you're going to get a whole lot less volume, which is going to make your post more likely and more visible. And I really, really do love the fact that you can do those different hashtag banks because you really should have a bank specific for each of your content pillars or each of your niches. So if my content pillars, if I was a romance traveler, it would probably be something like anniversary travel destination wedding, and then honeymooners. And those are each going to have their own bank. So that when I am posting in those different pillars, it's easy for me to use the honeymoon bank for my honeymoon post and instantly get those integrated. So that's another really cool system. They also have notes. I've had this like issue with where I'll like be able to crank out captions one day and then really get into graphics and like the visuals the next. And I didn't, you can dump like the images and the graphics and stuff. And it can just hang out in Planoly for you. You don't have to schedule or post. It's like a bank. But there's no real place to do that with captions. So notes are a really awesome way. If you're like, you know, you want to talk about this thing yet, but maybe the graphic isn't made, you can create a note inside of your timeline in the schedule that will read. I used to dump captions in there and it was just a place to put it because if I don't put it somewhere, it's going to leave my brain in two seconds. So that's another cool feature. All of this can sound super overwhelming if you are already overwhelmed with social media. So just like take this little by little, jot down some notes or just like let it digest. Not all of this is going to feel grandiose. I know we obviously, the whole title of this podcast is like stop overthinking social. And it sounds like the deeper you go, of course, you can make it so complex. You can be like, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed with the thought of having three hashtag banks. Make one to start out. And then as you develop your social media strategy and it doesn't become as overwhelming, start to add things to it. It's just like any other aspect of your business. You don't have to be zero to 60 and it doesn't have to be all or nothing. So just listen through. We're going to throw out some other ideas and whatever, whatever sticks, sticks, but hopefully this just kind of like helps you feel confident that again, like we said, progress over perfection. With that being said, content pillars, Katie is going to introduce this concept. If you've never worked with content pillars, it sounds complicated until you realize that the whole point of a content pillar is that it actually simplifies everything that you're posting. So you want to dumb this down for us, Katie, and just kind of explain what a content pillar is and how it actually can help you simplify your strategy? Sure. So content pillars are (laughs) general themes or topics. And Robin kind of touched on this, like romance travel. And underneath that, you would have honeymoons, anniversary getaways, elopements, whatever. I mean, there's a million different types of romance travel. So that's a really good one. But then from there, you can create subtopics to then generate dozens and dozens or hundreds of ideas for posting across social media, but also email marketing, blogging, and all of that. I think people get really overwhelmed 
at creating content pillars because they think it needs to be this like gigantic Google sheet of like every content piece they could ever post. But it's just brain dumping ideas. And you can use the same idea a million different ways. If you're talking about romance travel and you want to focus on honeymoons, when should someone start planning their honeymoon? What are five things they should know about planning a honeymoon? You know, there's a million different things to consider when you're planning a honeymoon that a travel advisor could post about. Does this sound familiar? Your social media strategy fails to actually have a strategy. You post in real time because you don't have an easier way. You're living in post and pray mentality that people will finally be served your amazing content. No more. We have a solution and you've probably heard about it already. Our team loves using Planoly for social media planning. Planoly allows us to post at optimal times when our followers are on the platform and batch our content in advance so that we can work smarter, not harder. It's easy to overthink social media and then simply avoid it altogether. You don't need to be intimidated. Just remember that social media is a free marketing resource for you to leverage to build relationships with more of your ideal clients. So let's stop overanalyzing and start intentionally creating posts that reflect your brand. Click the link in our show notes to get started with Planoly today. I think maybe it gets overwhelming because there is so much content that can be created from that, but your content pillars are the main themes of what you should be posting. And they really should be created based on what you want to be posting or selling more of. If under honeymoons, you jot down like budget honeymoons, but you don't want to sell budget honeymoons, then don't post about them. So I think that's where maybe some travel advisors get tripped up is wanting to post every single piece of content that they think they should be posting about instead of posting what their ideal client wants to see. As far as why you need content pillars, it goes right back to the title of this podcast. It helps you to stop overthinking. Now that I handle the Teak social media, if I didn't have like anything to go off, every single day I would sit down and be paralyzed by what I should post about. But every week we have a general theme of what we should be talking about on social media. So it actually makes planning, organizing, and executing your social media much easier if you take a few hours to brain dump every once in a while into something like a Google Sheet. It also helps just provide clarity, I think, on what is important in your business. Again, like coming back to the example of budget honeymoons, that forces you to get really real with yourself on what you want to be selling and who are you selling to. So that's another another little perk of creating content pillars. Keeps you focused on your why and your what. I never learned the value of this until Teak. And it's something that I just really underestimated. And I felt like I've been throwing spaghetti at the wall for years with the Explorator account. Luckily, Robin helped that for a while. And then I tried to manage it. And that didn't go well, just because I felt like I had a million things on my plate and I wasn't leveraging a system. I also wasn't taking the time to brain dump ever. I would post in the moment. And it just, I wasn't seeing the return of my investment in social media. And I think that's where a lot of travel advisors get frustrated is they're like, okay, am I am I seeing this return that I'm putting into this system? And we have to remember, social media is a free resource. It does not have to rule our life. It actually is the biggest blessing of our generation, small business owners, that has like ever existed. It's, it's monumental how much we have at our fingertips and how many people we can reach without having to pay for marketing spend like every other small business owner generation before us. And it's a lot of like organic traffic too, because you get a client, they follow you, they send it to one of their friends and you, it's not just this void you're throwing into, you know, hashtags into the void. You are creating content that people that are already in your network can share. So what I found most beneficial to think about was like, what do I actually want to attract to my business? Stop posting anything other than that. And that was, it's like breaking up with a part of your brain because we think we just need to chug things out. I just need to get something out there. That's the wrong way of thinking of it about it. Don't just get something out there because as soon as you put it out into the universe, your brand is attached to that. And we're so focused on brand identity at Teak that if you're putting anything out into the universe, it should be reflective of you. And recently, and I think Robin could really speak to this, 
we stopped posting as much. And then when we did post, we got a higher engagement because it was so intentional. Like we stopped posting just to post. Do you want to talk through like that kind of like revelation you had last year when you did, you were like, I'm done with the grind. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop with the grind and I'm going to post only when we want to post. Yeah. I think a lot of that came with seeing the value of our email list over social media. Um, we really put a lot of intentionality into growing our email list and that's where our revenue is generated from. That's where most people's revenue is generated from if you do have an email list. So by knowing that power, we really, I looked at social media as less of a way to sell and more of a way to like grow that email list. Because if you have done a flow desk service with us, you know that we always preach like your email list is so important. You should be like pouring into the, it's a, it's like not social media, it's marketing, I guess, but it's a marketing channel that you own. Like you own the email addresses, whereas social media, you don't own it. So at the end of the day, like Instagram could be bought out. Like right now we're dealing with TikTok possibly being banned. Like what about all the creators on there whose TikTok, it could be going away soon. So for me, I was like, that's kind of eye opening because at the end of the day, I'm going to focus our marketing efforts on this bigger platform and take the stress off social media because it was hard. It was hard to like get in front of people. All of a sudden there's videos out there. So instead of just like, because we were posting, you know, every single day, Monday through Friday and putting stories up and all of this stuff, but it was uninspiring. It was just like a cross that off the to-do list. Like we made Instagram happy today instead of actually like serving our list and being like, what's going to actually get people excited? What's going to get people interacting? What's going to get them on our website? What's going to make them want to put their email on our subscribe list and creating content around that and then serving our audience with that, I mean, we also took a step back and actually looked at our content pillars. And like, again, we were just kind of throwing stuff up there. Like, here's our branding work. Here's what we do over here. And instead, we started turning more towards education and creating quality content that people wanted to either save or share because that helped us rank higher with Instagram as well. So it was just, I don't know. We just took some time and I... I don't know if anyone remembers the day that Instagram went down, but it was kind of wild. Like everyone was going a little crazy. And that kind of showed me like, hey, this platform (laughs) is possibly not forever, you know? And so for me, it just from a marketing standpoint, I'm putting so much effort into growing this. And I'm like, well, who's to say that like Marky Zuckerberg doesn't take it down tomorrow, you know? So it's, it was just. I don't know. I'm not going to build a business on borrowed land. And that was that was our approach. So our whole mindset now is we promote on it. Yes, you'll hear about our deals when we have them rarely. You'll hear about like our products and stuff. But a lot of a lot of what we do on Instagram is just education. Like, are we even a fit? To know if you're a fit to work with us, I think you should check out our Instagram because like our philosophy is woven throughout that whole entire, like all of Katie's posting strategy, which is really powerful too. Circling back to what you said, Jen, about like making sure you weave your brand into everything you post on social media, that goes hand in hand with your content pillars. Again, if you don't want to be selling budget trips, don't be promoting posts that speak to budget travelers. I see a lot of travel advisors who in their bio, it will say luxury travel advisor, but then they are routinely posting hot new deal. Something's on sale. They're using words like sale and deal and all of that. So I think people need to remember that your brand is not just your color palette and your type suite and all of like the aesthetic things. It's also the language and the tone that you use in your posting and your content pillar should. That's where everything starts. Your content pillar should be like the cornerstone of where your social media strategy begins. Um, Because right away, if you're looking at your content pillar like spreadsheet and you see things like promote a deal or promote a sale or whatever and you think you're trying to speak to a luxury market, luxury travelers don't care if something's on sale. They're going to want to buy it at full price anyway. So you know what? You just like, that is like such a triggering sentence for me because I have had so many people when I say like, I haven't seen you on stories lately. Like I, they were, this was someone and I love her dearly. This was someone, but she she was like, I just don't feel like the inquiries are coming in. I'm not getting inquiries for what I want to sell. I'm like, okay, how are you marketing yourself? 
Are you promoting the products you want to sell? And I don't believe that promoting product is always the answer. Like we've said it a million times, like we are the product. Travel Advisor is the product. So you should be leveraging what you can do for your client, not what your hotel can do for your client. But sometimes we, I mean, let's be honest, we live in a very visual world and beautiful hotels do attract attention. So if that's what you're going to use as your image, your grid image, if you've got a way of getting images from hotels, even if you didn't go there, you can email a hotel's marketing director, sales director. I guarantee they're going to be able to give you free photos that you can use on your grid if you want to promote something. Don't use a bad photo. Like I'm just going to say that. One, don't use a stolen photo. Two, don't use a bad photo. Just email the sales rep. They're going to give you so much content if you ask for it. Like Belmond has an entire library that they send notifications. I get it probably once every two weeks where they've updated the content in there. I could sell Belmond all day long because of how many beautiful images they put in there. Email the rep company, email whoever, get your image. But like you don't have to necessarily promote the product in a very direct way. Promote your relationships with the product. And that's where I feel like there's a lot of disconnect with promoting on social media, like resharing a hotel's beautiful picture and then putting the amenities that you can get them through your consortia. To me, that's not a social media strategy. That is promoting on deals. And Robin touched on that. Like you don't want to promote on something you can get for someone else. If it's a luxury client, they don't care. They might care about the $100 credit. They might. But if you're truly looking for a luxury client, you should be selling on the value of your entire experience that you can provide for them. So make that one of your content pillars. Make it about, it doesn't have to be niche. I know we we just talked about like romance travel. That's kind of a niche and that can be a content pillar for sure. But a content pillar could also be blooper reel. You could share one of your bloopers and what you learned from it. That could be a content pillar. You could share... Um, logistical insight, or you could blanket it as just like education in general. It doesn't have to be a niche. It could be funny stories because some people, one of their values might be adding humor into their brand. If that content pillar is aligned with your brand, make a funny story, one of your content pillars. And every week you, you know, share a little funny story. People relate to that. All that to say you are the product the product that you're selling isn't the product that your client is necessarily consuming. And while you can use it as a splashy and pretty way of attracting the eye, you should be leveraging those images to actually showcase what you can do for the client. And you should only be sharing beautiful images of the things you actually want to sell. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and so I just had a thought of like, every time you go to post something and you're posting about a product, stop and think about like other I won't name any names, but like big box stores or online travel agencies, that's how they sell because Mm -hmm. they're just looking to like mass market, like book this hotel. They don't tell you why you should work with them. They're just, they're a big enough company that people go, Oh, that one I'll book with them. I feel like we talked about this when we've like talked about teak strategy on social media. We don't always want to become off, be coming off as salesy. We want to explain why like our products or services provide value. And I think that that's an important thing that advisors need to keep in mind. I love Costa Rica. And a year and a half ago, my mom and I uh, went to this place in Costa Rica called El Silencio Lodge and Spa. It's incredible, but it is not easy to get to. And if I were still posting on social media as an advisor and promoting this beautiful wellness getaway, I'm not going to talk about book this hotel because somebody can go book it on their Mm -hmm. own. I'm going to talk about how difficult it is to get there, that you need it like a four by four all-terrain vehicle. Like it's up in the mountains, but you don't have to worry about that. Likewise, when I had a client who was like thinking about booking a hotel on her own, again, in a very difficult to navigate area of Costa Rica, she's like, well, can't we just like rent a car and drive there? And I was like, no, they come and get you in like an all-wheel drive vehicle from this meeting point because it's so hard to get to. So like thinking about the value you provide because people don't want, they don't want their like booking experience. They don't want to book their own trip if it's going to be hard. (laughs) So 
thinking about it from that point, still highlight the hotel and how wonderful it is, but then say, don't you want to visit this beautiful hotel? Wait a minute. Let me tell you how hard it is to get to and how I can take care of that. So like, I think spinning it, you can still sell a product. You just have to like add value because it's 2023 and people can book stuff themselves on the internet. How do you feel about sharing the name of a hotel? Because the pushback that I got when I said like, you can share the name of a hotel, they were like, yeah, but if I share the name of the hotel, someone can book it on their own. I'm like, I promise you that if they're a true luxury client, they don't want to book it on their own anyway. They want you to take care of it. Don't be scared of someone booking a Four Seasons on their own. One, you can provide your white label like link if you're virtuoso. But two, if they are truly a luxury client, they're typically going to want you to handle it anyway. So what are your thoughts on that? I, I've i seen that done. I just always shared the hotel name. To me, it was another way of, first of all, I don't like gatekeeping. Um, mm-hmm. But it, to me, it was another way to thin the herd of clients I wanted versus clients I didn't. If someone's going to be like, Ooh, what's this hotel? And I tell them and then they're like, great, I'm heading over to www.bigtravelname.com to book it. Okay, great. Have at it. I hope that you read the fine print and you see all the hidden fees and that they can arrange transfers for you. Um, but you're not my client. So like, I, I think you should share the name of the hotel personally that I always did. I've seen posts where it's the hotel name isn't shared, but it's more to promote like a package price where it's like great getaway for two and all the details are there. The only detail that's missing is the hotel name. And I instantly lose interest. So I'm like, well, I want to be able to research the hotel because that's the type I, as a travel advisor, I will probably never book my own travel again. Uh, I want someone to handle it for me. But I also want to go on TripAdvisor and see if it does it cater to people with dietary restrictions like myself. I want to know, are there, you know, are there any reports of bed bugs or something like that? I still want to do my homework. I, I think I would always be on the side of sharing yeah. the hotel name. I mean, but, that goes back, like you send a proposal without sharing the hotel name because people can go and book that themselves technically. And then you just figured out the pricing for them and did all the heart, heavy legwork. It's the yeah. same thing, but it's... Like if they're going to book it on their own at some point in your process before they hit deposit, they're going to do it. So why not weed them out early? That that doesn't make any sense to me. No, I agree yeah. with that fully. I, I also get frustrated when people will share and they won't tag the hotel because I feel the same way. I'm like, I want to daydream and I want to follow them on Instagram. And I promise you, I'm not going to be booking it on my own anyway, but I would really like to follow them so that every time they post a new image, I get excited about visiting all over again. And it's just more motivating for me to want to get there. And I want the I want to let the psychology of social media wash over me. <laughs> at one point in time, I had hotels reposting my content at least once a week, and it grew my following significantly each time they did it. So Chilino Bay reposted me multiple times. Like yep. the Andaz Maui reposted me five times. Like I'm on their grid all over the place because my content was good. And then when I was there, I was sharing and tagging them. So I was on their stories and the amount of new followers and new faces I got was incredible because I would obviously let them know I was a travel advisor. So the second they're reposting it there, you can see that I'm a travel advisor, whether it's in the post, because they would basically take my caption and repost it as well. Or it was something I was talking about on my stories. So for me, it was actually a huge lead generator. And it would hurt my business more to not tag and credit the resort because they want to collaborate with you. They want to repost it. Just like we want people to repost us when they're traveling and they're like ranting and raving about you know the experience Robin booked me on for this Positano boat cruise or whatever. Like They want the same thing and they're going to reshare it. So we actually got many, many leads from that alone. I love well, that. and like... I I would say that the biggest way to stop overthinking your social media strategy is to stop being afraid of repurposing content. I don't know like how closely our listeners are paying attention to our emails and our social media, but like I repurpose things constantly. Like if I post something on Friday, you might see it again in the Monday email. I did the same thing with Origins uh, when I was a travel advisor with my business, where I was like, uh, if I had like a short introduction in my newsletter that week, I would just repurpose it to a post. So I think that's an important part of making social media feel less overwhelming is like, if you write a great blog post, pull one of those paragraphs out and tweak it a little bit and turn it into a caption uh, about that destination or that hotel or whatever. Nobody's going to call you out and be like, oh, I read this in your blog and now it's a caption. How dare you? Like no one's going to notice. So 
Nope. I think that can make it way easier to feel I less I think that's one of the biggest and easiest ways to save time and stop overthinking social is stop thinking that you have to give away the kitchen sink with each and every post. Like each and every post does not need to be the do or die post because most people are like, okay, well, I want to do a really good post. I'm going to post 10 things you need to do before you're honeymoon or something. And it's like the, each of those 10 things are like a post in and of itself that you as an expert, especially a subject matter expert on destination weddings or honeymoons or whatever type of travel you book, you could probably go on forever with like why you would never go without this. The best place to source like your travel AirPods or something. I don't know what it is, but like you can go way deeper with your content and make it less like 10 things you need to know here, five things you need to know here. It's like, stop doing that splice and dice, like, and go like a little bit deeper with each topic and give a little bit more value. Number one, it shows that authority, it flexes the authority, but it also keeps those content ideas forever. Cause how many times have you gotten to the end of your brain bank and been like, I'm fresh out of content. And it's like, no, you just, you put 12 pieces of content in one social media post and now you're kind of up creek without a paddle. So definitely take time to take a step back and do like, you could even do part two, part three, like, hey, part one of my packing list, whatever, summer packing list needs. We're going to do five and then we're going to do five on Wednesday and five on Friday. Tune in, like whatever. Yeah. So there's so many ways to go about it and like break it down. Yeah. Doing a series, I think it's really powerful. And that's, I know we primarily focus on Instagram, but that's becoming very popular on TikTok where like people will start telling a story and they're like, like and follow for part two. And even though it's annoying and people in the comments are like, screw you, I don't want to watch another video part two, they click over and they watch part two. And so you're getting that entire captive audience going to another post and engaging on another post and it helps boost them in the algorithm. I even get annoyed. I'm like, I want the whole story in one post, but you got me. And I'm going to go over to part two. And so I, I think like doing a series where like you introduce it on a Monday, like we're doing our top five honeymoon hotels that we love. And we're going to be doing one each day or whatever. But we, I think we talked about it in our email marketing podcast where I talked about how I used to send out the world's longest newsletters to my audience. (laughs) Like some people, and I actually just talked about this in the Flowdesk course that's going to be coming out. And how like less is more. And like, I actually had some people be like, I think it's so cute that you're sending out these emails, but they're so long. It's the same thing for Instagram captions, like reel it in. You don't need to share every scrap of information you have in your brain all at once. Dump them into your content pillars. And when you have solid content pillars, not only can you like, that's an outlet for putting all that great information down on paper, but it keeps you from like, feeling rushed to get like a social media post up every day. And like Robin was saying, like uninspired, like you're just checking it off of a list because at the end of the day, that wastes your time. Like there's been days where I just stare at the computer for an hour and I come up with the world's least inspiring caption. So, well, if I would have just had some ideas jotted down, that wouldn't have happened. But that's okay. Like Robin and Katie, like you said, like not every post has to shake the earth. Take that pressure off of yourself. Okay. Like Half the people in your audience are going to see it. Actually, 90% of the people in your audience are going to see it anyway. So if you pour your heart and soul into one caption, you're going to be absolutely exhausted and have nothing left to give to every other caption that follows. So just like take that pressure off and be like, all right, I'm going to dumb this down to one of the 20 bullet points I have in my brain. And I also think an easy way of taking some pressure off is being like, Say you're like, I don't even have time to think through content pillars. I don't even know what this means. And you're even feeling overwhelmed by that. Okay. So on Mondays, you're going to share proposals you're working on. On Tuesdays, you're going to share where your clients are at right now. On Wednesdays, you're going to share a fun fact about you. On Thursday, you're going to share, I don't know, destinations. And then on Friday, you're going to share a personal travel story. Make it as easy as that and then recycle every week the same no one's going to be like, you're following the same pattern all weeks. Yes, I am. I am following the same pattern. It creates consistency, which equates to credibility with an audience. And it's taking something that felt really hard and making it so simple because all of those things I just listed, you know, that it takes zero creativity for the things that I just listed for you to actually put a strategy in place 
that would put eyes on what you're doing. People want to pop the hood. They want to know what are you creating in proposals. They want to know where your client's going right now, probably because they're thinking, is this advisor for me? Is she planning the destination I want to go to? So pop the hood, give them a look under the hood and just let them see what you I can't stop saying hood. <laughs> Pop the hood, guys. Think about how many people have never used travel advisors because we as an industry gatekeep information from these people that do, does not need to be gatekeeped. Like everybody was always mind blown that I would like share how commissions worked for our businesses on consultation calls because all of a sudden clients are like, oh, now it makes sense because we didn't charge fees at the time. Don't do that. But at the time, we didn't charge fees. So they're like, you're scamming me? Like, this is yeah. weird. I didn't explain it. And it was like, I should have made that a post because then I think people would have been like, oh, okay, I get it. But that's there's so many myths that you could bust with this industry. Like, people would appreciate that because that's why people book direct because it's almost like you're afraid of booking with a travel advisor because there's so much they won't tell you. And there's reasons. We know those reasons. But like, and when you explain them, they make sense. But why not explain them on social media too? So like your followers can kind of understand. Like one of the myths I bust was like, you, like I have a lot of type A people that I worked with and it's like, oh, well, I'm type A. I love planning. Why would I plan, have someone else plan my own trip? It's like, I'm the perfect person to plan your own trip because like, yeah, you might like the fun parts of planning, but do you like rerouting your flight when it gets canceled and like dealing with international travel? No, probably not. Like you want a vacation where you can kind of tune out. So it was like just a great way to call out any sort of objections that people have with working with you. Call them out loud and proud on social media and people will be like, wow, she actually does understand me. She's reading my mind right now and answering these questions I have in advance. I think that's super powerful and I don't see enough people do it. I think some advisors are afraid of any kind of backlash or challenge. And so, um, and this is true for any business. No business wants to wake up to like, you know, a hot conversation in their comment section. But I think not being afraid to get a little controversial is a good um, idea. Every once in a while, I mean, we when we were promoting our boundaries masterclass, we posted a few things where I was like, oh, I don't know. I was just going to go over, you know, where you're like telling people like maybe you're not running your business in the most efficient way or whatever, you could tell clients, you know, maybe you're not planning your trip in the most efficient way. And let me tell you why. People love, love to be emotionally riled up. If you're eliciting emotion, you're doing a good job. And the algorithm doesn't care. America loves a good controversy. (laughs) We love what we're doing. Vanderpump rules right now is like a whole scandal. There's a Hulu documentary on the whole thing. And I'm like, I think I need to watch it because I'm behind on this scandal. I don't even know what's going on. So Americans we love to argue. Controversy. I literally started watching the show. I've never had any interest in watching this stupid show. And I'm like, well, now I have to know why everyone hates this guy so much. So I'm like exactly this. Like those sponsored posts articles on Us Weekly are totally working on me because now I'm all in. I'm all in and I have to watch and I have to get to the episode. And I didn't even just start with this season. Of course, I like went back. So they got me. They got me good. Well, I'm like Americans, we, we love to, we love to argue and we don't like to feel left out. So if someone's like scrolling through your feed and they see that a post has 15 comments, they're going to be more likely, it's like a psychology thing to click in and be like, what's going on here? And even if it's people being like, I disagree, or there's like some sort of like, hopefully friendly banter or discussion happening, the algorithm doesn't care if people are fired up, or if they're really happy about what they what you posted, all they care about is people are commenting. So it Mm -hmm. sees it as engagement. So don't I mean, obviously, don't get on there and post something insane. Don't you know like stay on the topic of travel. We don't need to like tiptoe into like, religion and politics or anything like that. But it doesn't always have to be fluffy and like perfect and wonderful. And then the other thought that I had was that like travel advisors were in a unique position where in our industry we're creating content all day long. From the moment you open your like laptop, like you're creating proposals, you're answering questions, you're sourcing excursions and activities like it would be a good idea if you're really struggling for content to keep a little notepad by your computer time stamp your day like you had a consultation call and a client brought up a really interesting question about the logistics of getting around the Amalfi coast there's a post you already did the work of explaining it to the client on the call 
turn it into a post. So at the end of each day, you could brain dump your entire day into a social media plan. I think sometimes advisors, we like think too broadly. We're like, oh, we got to post about everything I know about Thailand. No, you don't. Tell people what you're doing in your office every day. They can go Google Thailand. They, they don't know what you're doing. Correct. So you just mentioned brain dumping and keeping notes. And Robin, I know that you do this a lot. Like you have a running tab list of all the thoughts that you have on social media. I am less strategic about it. I just voice text Katie. <laughs> it's an, an abuse of our relationship for sure. And I apologize to Katie. I'm like, I'm sorry, but if I see something on social media, I just have to like voice text you. And I'm like, trigger warning, don't listen until Monday morning if it's like Saturday. But Robin, you, I think, have a little bit more of a methodical way of storing. What has worked for you in the past? So a lot of my inspiration comes from when I'm obviously scrolling Instagram. And now when you have saved, I think when you save a post or something for inspiration inside of the app, you can create little groups. So I have like a Teak Inspo group and it's like a copywriter posted this thing. And I think it's an awesome spin that we can do where I see a meme or a reel that I think could be easily applied to the travel industry. I'll save it there. No, I just forwarded it over to Katie. So <laughs> kind of the same thing, but... I kept it in there. And then I used to have a reminder to go in and clean that out and add it over to ClickUp because notes is another place. I don't know what it is about like traveling or driving, but I think it's when my brain is not doing anything else. Like it's focusing on one thing. It's kind of like Jen's shower. Like you can't touch your phone at that time. So like your brain wanders a little bit more because you're focused on a task. There's psychology behind it. I know for a fact there is, but when I'm driving or when I'm in travel, and I don't feel like paying for the Wi-Fi because I'll be cheap. I will write notes and I'll just go crazy. So whenever my little ClickUp tasks would roll around, I put it into the brain dump. Now it's in ClickUp because we we work as a team here. And like there's a whole bank of junk that I've thought of throughout the years for Katie, like waiting in there for the day when she's uninspired. Because let's be honest, you can't be inspired about creating social media content all the time or marketing content in general. So it's not super organized. I wish it was a little bit more organized than what it is, but it's most helpful for me to like store in the app, I would say, because that's where I'm using it and I can keep scrolling. I hate when it's like, oh, now I have to go transfer it over to ClickUp because that's that's going to take me too much time. I have to go to my computer because I hate the app on my phone. And like, there's all these things with it. So storing it on the app was great for me as like an inspiration board and then just making it a min- like a monthly reminder to actually transfer it over to the brain dump section of our joint team ClickUp. And that's what I do with the notes, like the voice memos that Jen sends me or like our, our little group where we send each other social media ideas. I have a note in my calendar every Monday before like our social media touch points to like go in and like brain dump those so they don't get lost in like an Instagram message. But I think just building it into your calendar is honestly one of the easiest ways to, if you know, like your Friday afternoons are usually slow and quiet, then block off two hours. And that's when you're going to source photos or get your Canva templates made or whatever, or you're going to brain dump a bunch of captions. I think instead of just like squeezing it in, in between when you're not feeling particularly inspired or interested is a good way to keep up on it. I agree with that. I don't think you can like do great social media content in between things because your brain is, I don't know, everyone's brain works differently, obviously, but like I'm always thinking, okay, in 10 minutes, I need to do X, Y, Z. When I'm working on social media, I need to let my brain run a little wild. It's like recess, right? Like you need to sometimes get out of your house. You need to go to a coffee shop. You need to treat yourself to the coffee you never get to have any other day of the week. And then you just need to get in this like create whatever creative space it is, but it doesn't typically happen spatially for me at my desk in this forced like time period. And and I know we're saying like schedule it on the calendar, but I mean schedule it on the calendar and get into the place that helps you feel creative. To me, that's not my desk and it's not within a normal like eight to five realm. I would probably be better off on maybe a Friday afternoon when I'm like, I've shut everything, I've shut every other brain tab down. And now I'm going to go, I'm not promoting this, but go have a glass of wine at the coffee shop down the, or the little, you know, cafe down the street. And I'm going to take my computer and I'm going to sit in the sunshine and I'm just going to kind of like chug out some thoughts. That is a much more, I would say, healthy way of getting into a creative space where you, wherever 
you're removed from where you respond to client emails because your natural inclination is going to be to click over to your email tab and refresh it and respond because you're in the same space where you're working in your business every day. Do you guys feel that way too? Like, do you have to remember? Every, it's so funny you use that example because not every Friday, depending on like my workload and what needs to be done. But if it's something I can do with my laptop, I walk down the street to the cafe that's near my house and I treat myself to this overpriced Mexican latte that is so good. And then I I work from there on Fridays. And I am so, even though it's like noisy there and like there's a lot of hubbub going on, I'm way more productive in those four hours I sit at the cafe than I am here in my office with my two monitors. Yeah. Because I'm like in a different setting and it doesn't feel as worky as it does at home. So I I think you could honestly just schedule in like a free flowing creative time where you don't even have a set list of things you want to get done. You know, you're working on social media, but if that's like scrolling unsplash and looking for photos that inspire you, great. Spend an hour doing that and saving those. Or like there are some days where I have so many captions in my head. I'm like, let's write some captions. And then I write a small novel worth of captions. It just, and then you save them for later. But I think if you get so paralyzed because every time you sit down to do social media, you think you're going to break the internet. Then we get into the issue of advisors just don't post yep. at all. Yep. And honestly, or else I also see people do this. They'll get inspired and you can tell and they'll post for 15 days straight. Fantastic posts. But then like nothing They're for two wind. months. Yeah. So to me, that's a sign of not having content pillars or a defined cadence because otherwise it's like working out, right? Like if you start to do this pattern and you don't have a routine to it, you're like, I'm going to work out every day. And you're like, I'm working out at seven in the morning when I can fit it in. I'm working at working out at 3 p.m. Okay. And then that just becomes like not manageable because it's not blocked out. There's no system to it. It to me, any habit, if it falls off, it just means you didn't create an actual pattern that is sustainable for you. So that is a sign that you you might need a system to help you create that. You might need actual rules. If you think of content pillars as rules, that's fine. But I think of them as rules. Like I can only play in these sandboxes and it helps me. I'm like, okay, I don't need to go get creative and, and do something else because I've already made my mind up that these five things or these four things are going to speak to who I want to speak to. And it just less options is actually so helpful. I personally love repurposing itineraries and that's how I built my business. It's how I actually attracted people to the business is I would find a beautiful image and I would spell out what's included on the itinerary. And I wouldn't say who was doing it, but I would, this was actually when I was selling it, I would create it to sell, but I think you can do it in the reverse. You could have sold it to someone and say like my favorite itinerary of the week. You already did the work. This is, we just said this a minute ago, but like you've already done the work. You've already created the the proposal. All you have to do is go on Pexels, Unsplash, Social Squares, pick a beautiful image. Heck, go to the salesperson for one of the hotels you sold and ask for their content bank. Pick a beautiful image and then summarize the itinerary and say, want to know more and start working towards your dream trip, drop me a DM or actually make a CTA to it so that you get engagement and say like, what's your favorite part of this itinerary? What part of this itinerary would you want in your future bucket list trip? Something that actually allows people that are not actively shopping to still participate is going to be huge because the people that are consuming your content are not necessarily planning right now. I was going to say like the itinerary example is a great way to grow your email list. You share just like a sneak peek of it and be like, want to see the full thing? I'll be sending it out to your inbox on Wednesday. And then you put the little sticker in your stories, put your email here so you can be added to the list or a link to subscribe or whatever. And so you already created the itinerary and now you're sharing it multiple ways on social media and you're growing your email list all with one post. It's just like, I think people make it a little bit too complicated, but they're like, I'm going to share the whole itinerary and then I'm going to just share a snippet. Don't give away everything, you know, and or make people work for it. If, if they really want the whole thing, then they have to subscribe to your email or whatever. As a travel advisor, we wear a lot of hats. 
planner, budget manager, fortune teller, therapist, meteorologist. But the one thing that we don't have to be is a graphic designer. Why? Because Canva does that for us with hundreds, maybe even thousands of templates to choose from. Social media and marketing can be a breeze. Just upload images and your brand kit and the possibilities are endless. Think email header graphics, social media posts and reels, client welcome guides, business cards, and so much more. No more expensive outsourcing. Canva Pro has you covered. To get started looking like the professional that you are, use Teak's affiliate code in the show notes. I love that because I always love the concept of white labeling a trip and putting it in your newsletter because, again, you've already done the work. Why wouldn't you showcase a beautiful itinerary that you loved? Just if you have Travify or something similar, duplicate it, take out the names and take out the dates. And then you've got these really beautifully created itineraries that you could just market and they don't have to do, you can remove all of the nuances of like, here's your confirmation number and all that stuff. But you already put in the hard work, duplicate it and remove out the personal stuff and then use it in your newsletter. And I I love that here because you can use it in your newsletter. You could create a blog post about it. You could create a social media post about it. You could create a stories series about it. Another thing that I see a lot of people do, which I love, is creating testimonial posts. And it could either be a Canva graphic where you actually put the testimonial in the graphic itself Or it could be a beautiful image or maybe a picture of the client if they did like a flightographer or you had some great content, which we're big on flightographer over here. One, it's passive income. We're always about passive income. And two, if your clients do flightographer and then they give you the rights to share it, that's some beautiful footage that you can put on your social media. So to me, I'm like, get every client possible to purchase Flytographer. I think it's the best souvenir that someone can buy. And if you can sell that on them, you can have like a massive library full of beautiful content. But use those testimonials that come in. It can be your whole caption. You don't even have to write a caption. You can just copy and paste that testimonial and put Jen J. You don't even have to give away their last name. Plop up a picture of the Amalfi Coast. And it's just like easy, no-brainer content that's already coming in because it they filled out your survey. It doesn't even have to be something that was on Facebook or Google. It could be something that came in through your survey. You could also even like someone give you great feedback in a DM. You can copy and paste that too. And you can just take their name out of it or say like, do you mind if I share this on my social media? So don't think of reviews in just the typical construct of like coming in through an approved review platform. They can come in through emails, DMs, whatever it may be, but you can still use that information to create beautiful captions. Throw that in your newsletter too. You can repurpose testimonials everywhere. I love when I've seen some people, they will post the testimonial graphic, but then the caption is almost like a case study of the client. Mm -hmm. Loved working with these clients for their honeymoon. They came to me after what, like explain the problem that you solved for them um, because even if the problem isn't super obvious, at the end of the day, people hire an advisor because the problem is they want a trip and they don't want to plan it. So I think some advisors also, and I used, I'm guilty of this too, used to get hung up on the picture matching the caption and it like couldn't, mm-hmm. there couldn't be any weird overlap and whatever. And I used to have to find the perfect picture. You can put up a picture of whatever and the caption could be, you know, like it, they don't have to, it doesn't have to be this weird seamless. I think we get so hung up I'm curating the perfect post every time and then doing it five days a week. And you can just post three times a week. And it's okay if two of those are like, you know what, this is all I have to offer today, take it or leave it. And then one post a week, maybe you're killing it. But I think posting something three times a week is better than posting 15 days in a row of like your best, most stellar content and then going radio silent for like two months. Uh, The algorithm will not appreciate that. It was that trending audio. It was like a Reels audio a while ago. It actually, I see it occasionally still. And it's like Instagram told me to show you some content. So this is the content. And it's just somebody like working on their laptop because they're like, I just got to put this out there. And I'm like, everyone can relate to that. And I always laugh and like, like it because it's like, yeah, we get it. You have to feed the beast. As a small business owner, whether you like social media or not, you kind of have to be on there to stay relevant, especially if you're not nurturing your email list. Like you can't ignore both. You got to pick a lane. So, and if you're using both, obviously that's the most powerful way to grow your business, but 
you can't not market yourself, unfortunately. So, and again, it's a free resource. I feel like we have so much hatred towards this thing that can be really positive for you. Like we've never done paid ads <laughs> for Teak and we have never done any paid marketing and our entire following has been created on a free platform that we've converted into an email list that we can keep forever. Like it, it's almost, we have a very like ungrateful perspective on social media. Like, uh, I hate the algorithm. I'm like, oh gosh, darn them for giving me this free resource that I could actually create an amazing business off of. So it is, yes, it, like you said, we have to feed the beast and it, it is a frustrating thing, but it's also solving such a large problem that would have been a much more expensive problem years ago that we've been given an opportunity to work remotely, not this, I mean, this is controversial, I suppose, but not have to be as entrenched in our communities, which if you're a digital nomad, that was not an option when you were a small business owner 20 years ago. Like you had to be involved in your community. You had to go to city council meetings or you had to be on some kind of board to get to know people. And now that's just like, you just don't have to. You can kind of stay in your own bubble and you can maybe grind a little too hard behind your desk and and post some captions and you get some traction. But I have had a lot of you know, negative thoughts about social media, but I just think like flip the script on it a little bit and just like shoot for engagement, shoot for the things that instead of just saying like, I just need to post this, think of like, what is the thing that my people want to see and get them to engage with it, which is bringing us to our last point, which Katie's going to share some easy tips to get engagement, which is going to boost your presence when it comes to that algorithm. I feel like I kind of already touched on this, but like every post doesn't need to be salesy. The po- like the goal of your post should always just be engage your audience and then the sales will follow. All of the sales I ever made from social media, they were not from posts where I was blatantly trying to make a sale. It was when I was sharing about myself or my life or my own travels or what I'm doing behind my desk. And so I think that's really important. And so uh, the best way and the most engagement that we see on the Teak social media account as well is like when you ask people a question that has nothing to do with selling them anything, like people love to talk about themselves. They especially love to share their opinions. Um, And so like asking people in either in your caption or if you share that post to your story and you put the little question box so people can answer asking people questions. It's really that simple. Like think of a creative question that stems from the caption or the post. And, you know, even if it's something like who's going on spring break this year, a a poll, yes or no. Because again, Instagram doesn't give a single flip about what you're actually getting engagement on. They just see that you're getting engagement and then you get pushed higher in the algorithm. So polls are fantastic, especially in stories. And then like the slider thing, like Lightning last week on Arctic social media, I asked like how people feel about their terms and conditions or like their legal protections of their business. And like everyone answered like halfway in the middle, like, mm. like, so using the slider, it's great. Um, the polls seem to do the best, but then the question boxes are also pretty good, especially if you are feeling like you're running out of content ideas or you're kind of curious what your audience wants to hear more of, you can literally just put up a post like, I'm thinking about sharing a, a series on whatever, fill in the blank. What what kind of questions do you have? Like when I was getting ready to go to South Africa, I put up a story and I was like, what type of questions do you have about South Africa? And I got so many responses that helped me structure the content I then posted leading up to my South Africa trip. So use it for your own good too. People love to type in a little box and then it benefits you. And then I think the last point too is reels freak people out. And yes, there are some reels where I'm like, I don't even know how they made it. We posted a Pedro Pascal reel. It took me like way too long to figure out how to do this green screen thing. So I think people get really freaked out over reels, but you can literally just post a single image with music and it's considered a reel with some like type. You can just type over it. It doesn't have to be anything wild at all. But if you want a few reels on your grid, find a pretty picture or even some royalty-free video footage and just like of a wave crashing. And then there's your reel. 
because posts with music also get like pushed higher in the algorithm. So, and make sure that it's good content when you use a reel. Like if you're going to use one of your throwaway, this is a lame idea. I'm just like posting to post, do it on a static post, make your reel something that you want to get in front of people's attention. Not that you don't always want to get in front of people's attention, but we all know there's pieces of content we love and there's pieces of content where we're like, let's just put this out here. So don't waste a reel on like a, here's a pretty beach wave, like, cause it's Tuesday. Don't do that. Like do it when it's, here's a breakdown of my process. You know, here's a really good piece of educational content. Don't just do it. We did. Um, I did one last week on Friday where it was like the end of the week and my brain was shot. And I was like looking at my list of ideas and I posted, you know, we're coming up on summer travel. Uh, by the time this posts, I think we'll be well into summer travel and advisors ate it up because it was how to plan or like how to prepare for that like summer onslaught of clients traveling. And the reel itself was so simple, but the value is in the caption. And the number of like shares and saves on it was pretty impressive for being like something that I whipped up pretty quick. So again, every post does not need to go viral. It doesn't need to like break the internet. You don't need to learn how to do all these insane reels and green screens and backgrounds and all of that. Um, it can just be a pretty picture and then make sure your value is in the caption. You don't have to have your face in it. I think there's so much pressure of like, I don't want to do a reel because I don't want to be in it. Okay, don't. Get a royalty-free clip of – that was like an aerial view of the beach and you put text over it and it was value-packed in the caption. So if you have something to say, reels are going to go farther than a post in general. So if you have something to say – and you can make it pretty on a reel. It doesn't have to be face to cam. Like you take that out of your brain right now. I don't think, I think we've done like three face to cam reels ever and maybe less than that. And they, they do well. I'm not saying don't do those, but I saying that you don't have to do those if that's super intimidating. And you don't also have to be this tech guru and piece all of these clips of videos from your recent trip together that's also not getting as much traction right now as like text overlay on cool video with a value add caption. So I think luckily, I think there's a shift happening in the reels space. It's less about creating this like cinematic <laughs> piece together. I don't know. Instagram is going back to favoring just static images. So for everyone who hates the video content, they real like they got a lot of backlash and Instagram was like, all right, yes, we are a photo sharing platform and they are starting to like backpedal and promote just single image static posts again. So, but carousels are also wildly overlooked because I did not know this until I was reading Planoly sends out like really good. So if you sign up for a Planoly account, you'll get on their mail- mailing list. They send out really good social media tips. And I was reading through one of their newsletters. And I didn't know this about carousels until a few weeks ago. But if you share a carousel and someone is scrolling your feed or like their normal like home feed of who they follow and they see it once and then like a few hours later, they're scrolling again, the carousel will show again, but a different slide. So carousels have the potential to get in front of the same person over and over again. So if you're like torn between a carousel and a reel, Go with the carousel if video stuff is not not your jam. I and I just that. have to say this before we close out the episode, but the number one way to stop overthinking social is if your clients aren't on social media, don't put your time and effort into it. So many people come to us and they're like, my clients are all referral based and Instagram stresses me out. And I'm like, well, it should. You shouldn't even be on it. You're wasting your time. So at the end of the day, this all goes back to defining your dream client guide. And we'll link it again in the show notes because we can't link it in enough places. But know who your clients are, know where they're hanging out. And if you, your clients are not on Instagram, no pressure to be on Instagram. If your clients are not on TikTok, don't go create a TikTok account. Be strategic, be smart, and pour more effort into less platforms and less marketing channels. And you're going to be more successful in the long term. So number one way, stop overthinking social. Don't do it if it doesn't make sense for your business, nor make sense for your clientele. I just read an article today. It was in Travel Weekly, a travel advisor who was like, social media is dumb. She didn't like it. And her clients weren't there. So she deleted her business account. And it did not affect her business at all. So social media can either be really, really important for your business or a complete waste of time. If your audience isn't there, then you shouldn't have even listened to this episode, you know? To get there, you have to know who your target audience is. So like you have to do the work to get to drill down to know like, 
okay, you're right. My target audience isn't there because this is where they're actually hanging out. Like figure out where your ideal client is hanging out and focus your energy there. There's so many things to consider, but number one, don't be on the platform if you don't need it. All right. So that seems like a lot, but the point of this episode is take what you can, when you can, and make it your own. Our recommendation is to mark your calendar for a CEO day, set a timer for a chunk of time where you don't open your email. We said it, don't open your email. Grab your favorite beverages or three and chug out two to three posts per week to schedule on Planoly. That's, of course, if the platform and the social media platform makes sense for you. We promise that you'll start to feel a little less stressed if you make your social media a one day a month thing rather than just another thing to add to your treadmill of to-do lists. Thank you for joining another episode of Tea Talks. If you are loving this content, we'd love and appreciate your support and feedback. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe so that you never miss when an episode drops. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. What can we say? We're not kidding when we tell you that we're big on transparency. That's why we've compiled a few bloopers. Whether you're laughing with us or at us, enjoy these never before heard moments. Jot down some notes or just like let it digest. Not all of this is going to feel grandiose. So if you even take like a couple nuggets from this, just (laughs) we're just talking about how weird the word word nuggets is. And now that you've said hashtag a million times, I'm like, I it's so hard to say. I don't I don't understand why hashtag is so hard. When I say eggs too much, I'm like, that's a weird word. And then also I get to think I'm like, eggs are also weird. Like and then I start thinking about something too much. Like I do it all the time. This is me with fork. I think fork is the weirdest word. I'm like, who came up with the word spoon? That is such a weird (laughs) I love the word vegetable. (laughs) It's the funnest word to say. Vegetable. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. Like I can't even. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of TikTok. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.